0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and
1: conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse with Family
2: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harbin of Behind the Steel Curtain, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Wednesday. Happy hump day, everyone. We are almost there. Halfway to the, through the work week or the school week, whatever you Whatever you're doing right now in your life, I should say, we're halfway to the weekend and halfway to another Pittsburgh Steelers game coming up. That Week 11 game against the Cincinnati Bengals, remember, remember, it is not a night game. This is not a primetime game. This game was flexed to 425 p.m., so make sure you check your local listings to see if you'll get to see that game from the comfort of your own home or if you're going to have to go elsewhere to catch the football game. Nonetheless, we have a lot to talk about in this Let's Ride podcast. We have DEFCON levels to update. We've got news from Mike Tomlin's press conference on Tuesday, and we also are going to be talking a lot about the Steelers' plan of attack. Is it set? Is it not? Is it sustainable? We'll discuss, as well as in the second half. You know what Wednesday's second half is. It's the mailbag. My ride or die create a lot of questions. I've got a lot of answers, so let's start with the news before we get to anything else. The news Injury updates. So Mike Tomlin spoke to the media on Tuesday, as he always does on a regular work week. And when he spoke about injuries, there were a couple that were kind of surprising. There were a couple that were just kind of meh. So I'm going to talk about the the, the injuries that he said are not really that serious. Mainly, he said Kevin Dotson has a. I guess they're labeling it as a. I think he said a hip. Uh, it's been an abdomen, it's been an ankle. He's had all sorts of injuries, Kevin Dotson has. And so now they're looking at, you might limit him early in the week, but he should be okay. That's according to Mike Tomlin. We'll see. He has said that, and things have turned south. But we'll see. Also, he said that uh, they're going to monitor Akello Witherspoon and see where his hamstring is this week. He did not practice or play last week. So I'm not really looking for him to be an active participant this week, but you never know. I think the biggest surprise, and, and I wrote the article for the website, was Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick is coming off the appendectomy, and according to Mike Tomlin, he wanted to play on Sunday. Well, you can't let a player do that. That's just not—there's no way that's going to be productive for anyone involved. I mean, you're talking about just having a surgery, an organ removed from the body. Uh, it's just not a time to do that. Typically, players will miss about two weeks with that. However— However, Mike Tomlin left the door open saying that they've had a lot of positive reports. Manga Fitzpatrick has been running, and everything looks good. Uh, He was asked later in the press conference on whether or not there's a hurdle that needs to be medically cleared before he can actually return, and Mike Tomlin said, not really. Uh, He's going to leave that up to the medical staff. If they clear him to play, he's going to be cleared to play. And so there's a lot of fans out there like, oh, they should hold him out. I get it, and he, people; those are the same people that said that the Steelers should have just shut down T.J. Watt for the rest of the season. I don't know, did you not enjoy T.J. Watt wreaking havoc in the backfield of the New Orleans Saints on Sunday? I, I did. He's getting paid a lot of money, and so is Mega Fitzpatrick, and so if he's deemed healthy, and the medical staff, not the Steelers, the medical staff say, hey, he's good to go, then, in my opinion, he's good to go. So take that for what it's worth. Other injuries that were not mentioned, uh, Kenny Pickett was asked about his ankle, said it's fine. That's good. Uh, also, Miles Jack's knee, you know, he was held out of the game last week. I'm assuming that it's fine. It did not get brought up. So uh, really a pretty clean bill of health for the Steelers heading into this week 11 game. Oh, and I almost forgot one injury, and that was Najee Harris. He's dealing with some knee discomfort. Uh, I'm not sure if that was what would happen. If you think back to the 36-yard run that he had, early in the first half against the Saints, he was real slow to get up. And I think a lot of people thought it was a a head injury, a helmet-to-helmet. Maybe that was, he got it, maybe his it knee-to-knee, or he twisted his knee. Whatever the case is, Mike Tomlin seemed pretty optimistic that he, will, although maybe limited early in the week, should be able to play this Sunday. So, like I said, pretty good news on the injury front. Not too bad. Uh, the Bengals, yeah, the Bengals, the Steelers' opponent in Week 11, announced they are going to wear their black and white Uniforms for the game. If you haven't seen these, they debuted them. I believe it was on Thursday night football. The helmets are white and black. The uniforms are all white and black. They kind of look like zebras to me. Uh, I don't know that they, they're supposed to be Bengal cats, but they look like zebras. Anyways, uh, they're wearing them at AcroShore Stadium on Sunday. I'm wondering if the Steelers are going to unleash their color rush uniforms for this game. There I was thinking about this. They already had their Thursday nighter. It was in Cleveland. They didn't do that. That was typically when all the teams wore their color rush alternates. They have not announced when they would wear their color rush yet. They're running out of primetime games. So I I could see them wearing their color rush uniforms this Sunday at 425. I could also see them holding on to it. You know, a lot of fans, and we actually had this discussion on our Slack channel, I figured I'd bring it up, have been wondering, what about the Steelers are going to wear a throwback? And they are going to wear their throwback uniforms, and that's going to be the Christmas Eve game against the Las Vegas Raiders. They're going to have an immaculate reception patch on the jerseys that they're going to be wearing expect the block numbers that'll be really cool but it's so a lot of our writers thought well maybe that's when they're going to do the color rush no it's not going to be color rush that's their throwbacks so that eliminates one other home game i'm curious if they to they, they have to wear their color rush right i mean they have a great record in those in those uniforms they look great i actually like those uniforms but still something to think about okay let's dive into the defcon levels in case you're new to the program or in case you just forgot, remember that one is the worst. If you're at DEF CON level one, that is you need to you need to get your wife and kids together. You need to leave your belongings and get out of town because things are bad. Whereas if it's a five, hey, that's all good. You stay you're, hey, everything is everything is status quo. You want all fives when I'm going over these DEFCON levels based on the positions. So keep that in mind as we go through it. Now, let's start on offense, as we always do with the quarterback position. I have it staying the same this week. It's a three. It was a three last week, coming off the bye week, leading into this Week 10 game. And after the Week 10 game, it's still a three. I want to see Kenny Pickett take a step forward. I do think he did in many ways. I liked how he was willing to throw the ball away and live to play another down. I liked how he used his legs. I loved how he was stepping up into the pocket at times, but I do want to see more accuracy. I do want to see better red zone production, and a lot of that, although the red zone especially, although a lot of that does come down to coordinator and play caller as well, I want to see better execution from the quarterbacks, so that's why it's staying at a three. Next, wide receivers and tight ends, the pass catchers. I have them at a four. That goes in the right direction, plus one. So it was a three last week. It's a four this week. I like what they did. I can't think of anything that maybe outside of Deontay Johnson catching a pass, dancing his way minus two yards, and then getting stopped short of the the first down markers instead of just catching the ball, going forward, getting the first down, move the chains, let's live to play another day. They didn't do that, but that's that's nitpicking in my opinion because they ended up getting that first down. I have it at four. Pass catchers are at a four. Running backs. Again, they were at a three as well. I was concerned they couldn't run the football very well, very efficiently. I have it at a four after rushing for 217 yards. Yes, you have to give them a four, and it's an upgrade. I like the way that the running game is trending. We're going to talk a lot about that today. The offensive line, they were a three as well last week. Remember before the bye, they gave up a ton of sacks, a ton of pressures. Kenny Pickett was getting crushed in the backfield. I have them at a four. Now, they surrendered six sacks against the Saints, and a lot of people are going to say, well, that's bad. Well, even Mike Tomlin on Tuesday said a lot of that's on Kenny Pickett as well. So in that regard, I have the offensive line at a four. Their run blocking was phenomenal. They opened up the holes, whether it was for Pickens, Warren, Harris, or even Kenny Pickett, they were able to make the plays, and they were able to get the yardage on the ground. I like the way they're trending. Next, let's go to the defensive side. We start with the defensive backs. I'm gonna give him a four. Demonte KZ's back, and that guy brings some. He brings a life to the secondary. You know, Minka is great, but Minka is very quiet. Yeah, he gets emotional and he gets fired up. KZ is a vocal guy. I to – There's videos of him coming off the field and he's hooping and hollering. And he's during the game talking about his best friend Levi Wallace. You got to go check that out if you haven't seen it. It's on my Twitter feed. I retweeted it from the Steelers official account. But I've got the defensive backs at a four. I like the way they played. You think about Arthur Millette's pass breakup. You think about some of the plays Levi Wallace made. He had an interception. KZ had an interception. Yeah, I got him as a four. The outside linebackers, TJ Watt comes back. Come on, four. It's a four. I could have maybe even put it at a five because I feel like if when Watt – or let me say that, not if, but when Watt gets really back into shape, back into game shape, and he's deemed you know really, really healthy, he's tested his knee, tested his chest, he's fine. That might go to a five, because I think with he and Highsmith, they are one heck of a duo. But as of right now, I've got it at a four, because there was a lot of Malik Reed and it's a huge drop-off, and that's not saying anything about Malik Reed. it's just fact. But it's a four. Inside linebacker, we didn't see Miles Jack, and there was some... There, there was some play that hurt because of that. And that, that's not necessarily just a cut on Robert Spillane. I just think that Miles Jack is a much better inside linebacker than Robert Spillane is. There's Hey, Robert Spillane was undrafted. Miles Jack was, I think, a first or second round draft pick. So yeah, there's a difference in pedigree. But I have the inside linebackers holding fast at three. I want to see Miles Jack at least to be healthy so that you have that depth. That's really important. The defensive line is a four. You get T.J. Watt back, that defensive front, and Larry Ogunjobi comes back. Montrevious Adams played well. Cam Hayward looked refreshed. They go to a four. Special teams, that's that's a three. Matthew Wright, got to make those kicks. You have to make those kicks. You're not going to be you know, the NFL stands for not for long if you keep doing that. So I have the special teams at a three to round out the DEFCON level. So there you have it, folks. There's some improving grades after a win. That's not a, That shouldn't be a shock to anyone, but not anything drastic, not yet at least. All right, let's get down to the meat and potatoes of this podcast now. The, the title, the headline of this podcast is, The Steelers' Plan is Set, But Execution is Far From Easy. And I think that's a a common thread amongst the fan base right now heading into week 11. Yes, you went out and beat the New Orleans Saints. Yes, you did it in in a fashion that was at least a step in the right direction. I said that phrase a ton on my Monday show. The plan, the equation, the recipe, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I think that's set on both offense and defense. But the question we're going to try to answer today is, is this going to be able to be duplicated? And this is going to be really important. Let's first talk about this. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Let's start with the plan itself. The plan itself. So on offense, I did three things on offense that are a part of this plan. We saw this plan work to perfection against the Saints. Can they duplicate it? Let's start on offense. Run the football is first. Well, 217 yards speaks for itself. I don't have to say anything about that. The second thing is don't turn it over. Okay, For the first time, I think in Kenny Pickett's career, he did not turn the ball over when he played all four quarters. And then lastly, capitalize on the opportunities. So they did the, they ran the ball. They didn't turn it over against the Saints. Did they capitalize on their opportunities? I feel like that's an incomplete. If I'm giving them a grade that's incomplete, they did not get that done. They did in some situations, but not all. 2 for 5 in the red zone is not going to cut it. That's the plan on offense though. Run the football, protect the football, and when you get it when you get a chance and you get a shot, you got to capitalize. Now let's go to the defensive side. Kind of flipped that. You have to stop the run, stop the run. Steelers did that extremely well against New Orleans, holding their offense to 29 yards rushing. You got to pressure the quarterback. Now the Steelers didn't have gaudy statistics in that category. Only two sacks, I think. Only four quarterback hits, but still they get they put pressure enough pressure on Andy Dalton, as I should say. They put enough pressure on Andy Dalton so that he had to hurry throws. He was not comfortable in the pocket. That's important. And then the last thing is be opportunistic with takeaways and i thought they did that two interceptions and when you don't turn the ball over that gives you a plus two differential that's really really important so while the plan isn't hasn't been completed yet the plan itself is complete the, the set set of standards whatever you want to call it the recipe for success is there but it's a work in progress this can't can it be a blueprint moving forward that's a question I asked myself can this blueprint Is this team going to be able to anchor down and say this is what we do well and this is what we're going to try to do every single week and this is what we do well enough that we can accomplish this every week? It depends on the opponent, in my opinion. It's the same thing I said when I said predicting the second half of this season is stupid. And the reason why it was stupid is that you just don't know. You have no clue what this team's going to do week in and week out. So because it's a week-to-week thing, one win against the Saints – isn't a cure-all. It's not far from a cure-all. The Bengals will be a good test for this plan. The plan that we just laid out, offensively, defensively, it's going to be a really good test. Will this plan that was successful against New Orleans that they had two weeks to implement, will this be just a blip on the radar? Or is this going to be a sign of things to come? I think we could all agree if the Steelers at home can impose their will to an extent on the Bengals. And win this game, improve their record of four and six, you'll have some people starting to believe. If they don't, and we're back to square one. But I wanted to take a little deeper dive into the plan itself. And I'm taking some stats. I apologize. Dave Schofield owns every single statistic known to man. And so I didn't I forgot to ask permission to use statistics, but I'm gonna use some anyways, Dave. My apologies. I sincerely apologize. So what I want to do is look at the plan and then figure out is this plan going to be even possible against the Bengals based on their stats. So let's talk about offense. Run the football. Well, Cincinnati's defense gives up 118.8 yards rushing per game. That's 17th in the league. So that's not some crazy great run defense. Keep that in mind. Don't turn it over was the second part. Well, Cincinnati... They have 13 takeaways on the season. They're tied for 11th. So at the top half of the league, they they can take the ball away for sure. The the third thing was capitalize. This was not a stat I looked up for the the Bengals, more so for the Steelers. Right now, the Steelers offensively in the red zone are 46.15% success rate on the season. Less than 50%. You'd love to see that number be higher, I'd love to see the Steelers do better in the red zone. They have to capitalize. So the Bengals' run defense can be, their defense can be run on. Their rush defense is not that great. And they don't take the ball away, kind of, well, think about what the uh, Philadelphia Eagles were doing prior to the bye week, for, or right before the bye week in week eight. They were plus 12 in differential. This is not that type of defense. But let's go flip the script. I think that the offense, to kind of sum that up, I think the offense will be able to implement this plan against the Bengals' defense. Get that out of the way first. Second part, the defensive side, stop the run. Well, the Bengals' rushing attack average is 98.8 rushing yards per game. That's 27th in the league, folks. They're not a good running game. I know Joe Mixon has improved the last few weeks, but they're not a team that's going to run it down your throat. Second thing, pressure the quarterback. The Cincinnati Bengals, they have surrendered 32 sacks. Joe Burrow has been under duress this season, folks. This could be a game where if T.J. Watt is is in better shape, Alex Highsmith, they could get after the quarterback. And then lastly, be opportunistic. This is something the Bengals don't do too much. They did it a lot in Week 1. They haven't done it a lot since, and that's give the ball away. They have 10 total giveaways, 6 interceptions, 4 fumbles on the season. So again... I look at the defensive side of the ball, going against the Bengals offense, and this is a matchup that I also think the Steelers could implement the plan. It's a week-by-week thing, folks. I want to make that very clear. But this week, the plan that was been in place for the Saints should be able to be implemented against the Bengals. And that's a good thing. You just have to execute the plan now. Easier said than done. All right, folks, we're going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to dive headfirst into the mailbag segment. Stay tuned, we will be right back. All right, Steeler fans, welcome back to the second half of the Wednesday podcast, and that is the mailbag segment. In case you're wondering how do I get my question answered by Jeff on this Wednesday show, it's simple. Follow me on Twitter. That's the letter J. Last name Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Every Tuesday morning, I will put out the tweet. I use a Wedding Crashers gift because that's Kenny Pickett's favorite movie. And then later in the afternoon, I'll retweet it in case you missed it earlier. Respond to that tweet, and I will answer your question. Didn't have as big of a response this week. Not bad, but still not as big as it has been. I guess after the Steelers win, people are kind of happy and they don't want to have their questions answered. I don't care. I'm going to answer them all anyways. We're going to start off with actually my mother, Pam Hartman, who has a Twitter account. She asked a question. Here we go. Wondering if Alex Highsmith is benefiting from T.J. Watt's return because of the excitement Watt brings or if Watt requires more coverage, thus freeing up Highsmith. You absolutely can see the opposition has to account for T.J. Watt every single snap he's on the field whether it is putting a tight end over the tackle and chipping Watt before they go out into their passing, their, their receiving route, whether it's, they throw a running back on that side, whatever they're doing, double teaming TJ or trying to, whatever they're doing is going to give one-on-one opportunities on the opposite side. So that's not just Alex Highsmith, but it's also Cam Hayward. Those things work in concert. And so, yes, Watt's excitement does energize and lift up the defense, but from a schematic standpoint, TJ Watt being back helps the entire defensive front. So, yeah, there you go. There's your answer. Doc M or Southside Doc says, how different was the offensive game plan compared to before the bye? What needs to happen to see tangible results in scoring? I think the offensive game plan, and I said this during the bye week, or I think it might have been coming out of the bye week, I felt like the Steelers' offense in Week 10 was more geared towards what Kenny Pickett is comfortable doing, and he didn't always look comfortable in that game. There were times where he got happy feet in the pocket. There were times when he didn't trust the the pass blocking in front of him. I understand it, and because of that, some things kind of broke down. But the plan in and of itself to run the football, protect the football, and then make timely plays when it when they present themselves. And sometimes that was with his legs. Kenny Pickett rushed for 51 yards. That was that was a big deal in that game. So I think that the offensive game plan was more tailored around a rookie quarterback, trying to protect the rookie quarterback, trying to make it so that you don't rely on the rookie to win you all these games. Not that they can't go out and, and win you a game or two if you have to, but you don't need to you don't want to rely on that. And so I think that was the the biggest difference, is that you saw more RPOs. You saw them attacking the middle of the field more. It just seemed more it simplified. And I think Chase Claypool not being there helps Kenny Pickett as well. Not so much as, well, he doesn't have an, another offensive weapon, but more so the fact that Kenny Pickett, it just seemed like there was one less mouth to feed, if you know what I mean. He, uh, he was able to read the field, he knew what was there, and then he made the play. But that's a good, it's a good, I'm doing my best to try to analyze the the, the before the buy and after the buy offense. Nick asks a question. Looks like the combination of pistol formation and Canada's patented window dressing motions finally got the run, mainly Najee, going. Does having Kenny Pickett throwing 30 times make sense going forward? Can we finally be a run the ball play defense team? KP needs to be reined in, in my opinion. So for me, Yes, you saw the pistol formation. You saw the window dressing. They used the window dressing. They did a pop pass. They did plenty of jet sweeps. They scored a touchdown on a jet sweep with George Pickens. So it's not always just window dressings. I want to make that very clear. 30 30 attempts I don't think is a ridiculous number. Not when you possess the ball as much as the Steelers did on Sunday. If it was a little bit more even from a time of possession, you would have seen Pickett around 25, and that's where you want to be, in my opinion. With a rookie quarterback, you're looking at 25 to 30 attempts. If you can keep them in that sweet spot, that means you're not relying on them to win you the game. You're not relying on the pass to win the game. So I don't think that Kenny Pickett needs to be reined in. If they run the ball well, you don't need to rely on Kenny Pickett. There is a big difference between the two. Simplification could help Kenny Pickett as well. If that's what you meant by reined in, then I agree. If you're just mean reined in, meaning like, oh, man, they got to keep this kid under control, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, th- I don't think that's necessary, but still, I think that what you're saying with the 30 attempts, if that's the max, that's a good number. Tendercat asked a couple questions. Let's say you get hired as head coach for the Steelers. What are the first things you do as the head coach to keep pushing the team in the right direction? Um... If I'm hired right now, that's a tough question. If I was hired in the middle of the season, think of Jeff Saturday going to Indianapolis for as crazy as that was and all the people that were up in arms about it. The dude went out and he made some he made some swift changes. He put Matt Ryan back in the lineup. He energized the team and he had an offensive play caller and he said, I want to get the ball on the ground, running it, run the ball. And they did. Jonathan Taylor had his best game of the season so far and he's been banged up, but still you understand what I'm saying. Those are the type of changes that you can actually make. So if I was the coach of the Steelers, I wouldn't make any sweeping changes, but I would say that we want to run the football more. We want to use more two tight end sets. We want to use play action. I want Kenny Pickett under center more. Those would be the type of changes that I would make to help this offense moving forward. Defensively, I think we've seen that if the defense can just get healthy and stay healthy, it's going to be a really good defense. Getting Miles Jack back, getting Minka Fitzpatrick back with DeMonte Casey and Terrell Edmonds, keeping Cam Hayward healthy, TJ Watt staying healthy, all these things really, really matter. That's what I would do. Tendercat has another one. Jeff, if you were in a backyard brawl with Weasel Boy, Jordan Berry, and Ray Lewis, who would you pick to be on your team, TJ Watt or James Harrison, and why? So I, I'm on the same team as Weasel Boy and Ray Lewis, and I have to pick Watt or Harrison. I'm going to go with Watt. I love Debo, but TJ Watt is hes a better athlete. And I'm going to say something that Dave Schofield said when we talked about this. I, I did an either-or game on the Steelers preview. During the bye week, our Steelers Palooza episode, and I asked either or TJ Water or James Harrison, and he said TJ Watt for the main fact that he was the one that made James Harrison want to leave. He took his job. So I understand that James Harrison's at the end of his career, and I love James Harrison, defensive player of the year, Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl 43. Never forget it, but I'll just take TJ Watt. Brian Haynes is only only question of the day. And it's an easy yes or no. Was Sunday's performance enough to instill confidence in the rest of the season? In the rest of the season, no. No. I'm not that type of guy where one win's going to have me over the moon and this team's going to rattle off six straight wins. No, I don't see that happening. If they beat the Bengals on Sunday, then I'm going to start believing even a little more. Then you think about after that game, you go to Indianapolis on Monday Night Football. You win that game, now all of a sudden you, you're you're on a streak, you're stacking wins, and you're looking at a pretty soft schedule coming up. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. It all starts with beating the Bengals on Sunday. And that's a winnable game. People think it's, it's not winnable. I, I disagree. Okay, next one from Nathan Van Slyke. Hey, Jeff, hope you enjoyed Sunday's win about as much as I did. I could probably say I did. He said, which position group would you like to see improve? most this Sunday, aside from quarterback play. Of course, you want to see Kenny Pickett play better. You want to see him lead the team more dynamic offense, more explosive plays? Yeah, I get that. Other than quarterback play, the position group that I would like to see improve the most this Sunday, huh, that's tough. Uh, I'm gonna say the offensive line, but in pass protection. I want to see them, do better with pass protection. I know that Kenny Pickett was one of the reasons why they had gave up six sacks. Probably three of those were uh, on Kenny Pickett. Three of those were probably on the offensive line. But you see the hits, like that blindside hit when Dan Moore and Kevin Dotson, either they weren't on the same page. I'm not sure what happened. But, boy, he Kenny Pickett got walloped from behind. You hate to see that happen. So I'm going to take, with this question, I'm going to say the offensive line and pass pro. Eric Askew said on Ben's podcast with Heath Miller, he said that Pat Fryermuth and Zach Gentry are this generation's version of Heath and Matt Spath. Would you agree with that? I kind of would, except I think Pat Fryermuth is more athletic than Heath Miller. And I also think that Heath Miller was a better blocker than Pat Fryermuth. So don't think that's like blasphemy. When I said that Pat Fryermuth was a better athlete, I think Heath Miller was a better blocker. He did provide a lot on the, in the passing game but not as much as Pat Frymuth does. And Spath and Gentry, I think, are very comparable. They're blockers. They're big guys. They're blockers. They're not going to catch a lot of passes when they do. A lot of times it's a surprise pass where it might go for a big gain. So, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I actually would agree with that. Mitchell Gibbons asked, My dad, brothers, and I are driving eight hours from South Carolina this weekend to go to our first-ever Steelers game in person. We're lifelong fans. Any advice? On when to go into the game, or what what to see or do in Pittsburgh. Thanks. Okay, so if you're going for the weekend, and I you didn't say I, I I'm trying to look here. Okay, so this weekend you're going to go up. The first thing you have to do is if you're going into Pittsburgh uh, through the Fort Pitt Tunnel, Interstate 79, you're going to go through down. You go through that tunnel. Have someone with their cell phone out recording before you get out of the tunnel. Don't let it be the driver because it's chaotic when you get out of that tunnel. You have, sometimes you have to go from the right lane all the way to the left, and it seems like a blink of an eye. But still, you want to that that view in the city of Pittsburgh, when you come out of the Fort Pitt Tunnel, it is like that skyline smacks you right in the face. And it is one of the coolest things ever. And it doesn't matter what time of day you come through that tunnel. It could be the morning could be the night, could be middle of the day. It is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. And to your left, you'll see Heinz Field, PNC Park. Uh, it's just phenomenal. I remember as a kid going up there and just being awestruck and looking to my left and seeing Three River Stadium, that giant concrete structure, and just being like, wow, like that's crazy. That's where the Pirates and the Steelers play. So that, that in and of itself is advice in terms of how to enjoy part of this experience. But if you have the time, and you want to go downtown, like go to the strip district, go check out the original Permanes. People that live in Pittsburgh will laugh at that and say, oh, I'll go to Pepe's and all this stuff. Yeah, you could do all that stuff, but it's it's at least close enough. If you want to do the Duquesne Incline and take it up to Mount Washington, when you get up to Mount Washington, they have some really cool overlooks so you can take some really, really good pictures of the city. Go downtown. It's it's actually clean. It's it's you know station square. It's a lot of stuff to do down there. But if you're going to the game. You can go in early, go check out uh, the, the, that museum. I don't think that's just open to walk through, but the Great Hall is there. Uh, they have a lot of cool things to check out and go in and just walk around. If you've never been to a Steelers game, then you've never really experienced the camaraderie of that feeling that everyone there, except for a handful of people, are just there with the same purpose. To see that team, To see those, to be there together, it's just, it's really, really cool. So go and check it out. And let me know how it goes, the experience. I hope I'll know know how the game goes. Corey Akinrod says, Minka Fitzpatrick, Edmonds, and KZ. Austin has plenty of chess pieces now. Why not run all three and see what happens? Pull Spillane off the field, since he's a liability anyways, and play Edmonds close to the box to cover the tight ends. Corey, once Minka's cleared, yes, they should. There are times where you might want Spillane in there if it's a run that they're thinking a run uh, and they want a sub package. But other than that, I agree. Put those three safeties out there. Let's see what they can do. Caleb Guy asked two questions on a scale from A to F. How would you grade this? The I'm not saying Steel Panther. How would you grade Kenny Pickett's performance Sunday? No real negative plays, but no amazing plays either. Solid B for or B minus for me on the post game show. I was myself and Brian Davis. I gave him a B. I gave him a straight-up B, and a lot of people might say that it was a C performance. He did have that deep pass down the sideline to Deontay Johnson. He delivered some good passes to players like Pat Frymeuth. They bailed him out a couple times. I'll admit that. But he also had a lot of rushing yards, 51 rushing yards. Keep that in mind, too, so I said B. The second one from Caleb, we saw more crossing routes and slants and middle of the field used against the Saints. Do you expect to see more of that continuing going forward? I do. Mike Tomlin was asked about this on Tuesday. And he said, though, that sometimes it depends on what the defense is doing. He mentioned how the the Saints were without some of their defensive backs, so that playing a little bit more a softer cushion allowed them to do that. You got to do that. And they, there was that play where Deontay Johnson had an in, in breaking route. He was he he was clearly interfered with, and they called it. If that if he doesn't interfere with him, Deontay Johnson's gone. He's gone. He's scoring a touchdown, I don't think anyone's going to catch him. So you do have those plays starting to open up. I like the way they're trending. Zach Brodsky asks, at what point do you think uh, number 14, which is George Pickens, starts getting targeted as much as he should? Every week, the Steelers prioritize throwing to Johnson when George Pickens is clearly the most talented pass catcher on the roster. Najee also needs more targets. I'll agree with you on Najee. He got one target. It would have been a really tough catch. But uh, he did get targeted. For me, you know, I look at the targets from last game. Okay, so everyone thinks, you know, Deontay Johnson gets targeted so, so much. And he does, typically, he does. He was targeted five times, but he was not the most targeted receiver or pass catcher. That was actually Pat Fryermuth. George Pickens was targeted four times. So it gets, you know, you said as much as he should. Well, that's. That's something that depends on the person you're talking to. He's a rookie. If he gets five to seven targets a game, I think that would be fantastic. That's a good that's a good spot for me. Deontay Johnson being five, I think is fine. Pat Frymey seven. Those three guys should lead your team in targets. Yeah, you want to see Najee Harris get more targets, but if Jalen Warren's catching three passes for 40 yards, like he did against the Saints, the longest for 26. Well, I don't really that that doesn't bother me too much. Doesn't bother me too much as long as they're getting that production out of the backfield. Des Proctor says, "Was it just me, or did I see Kenny Pickett with happy feet in the pocket in the second half against New Orleans?" So, yes, you did, you did, and, and I think it's some of those times where, like I mentioned, that blindside hit. He's probably questioning whether the pass protection is going to hold up. Thankfully, that there were a couple times where Pickett was able to use his legs to really help him out in that equation. But still, yeah, you did see some happy feet. I didn't see him bailing out as much uh, laterally. We'll put it that way. He was stepping into the pocket more, and that's a good thing. You want to see him climb the pocket, keep his eyes down the field. Uh, we've all seen Ben Roethlisberger do that for decade plus. So uh, it would be, it'd be good to see Kenny Pickett to settle in. And look, it's, it's a work in progress. I don't think anyone feels as if Kenny Pickett is a finished product. He still has a lot of work to do, just like every rookie quarterback has a lot of work to do. No one, or should I say very few, come into the league and are finished products, including 2004 with Ben Roethlisberger. He was not a finished product. Bill Cowher in his book spoke openly about how they didn't want to play him at all the entire year. They wanted him to sit. They wanted him to learn, and it was Charlie Batch that got hurt that elevated him to the backup. Tommy Maddox gets hurt, and the rest is history, but Ben Roethlisberger had to learn on the fly. He was on a really good team. Let's see what Kenny Picking can do down the stretch. It wasn't his best game, but there were a lot of strides taken, in my opinion, against the Saints. All right, so that does it. Not a lot of questions, but I was able to answer answer those questions a little bit more in depth than I normally would, and that's okay. For my ride or die crew that participated in the mailbag, thank you very much. I will be back on Friday. Myself, hopefully, Jerome, Jeremy Betts will be back. We're going to give you NFL picks. We're going to get you geared up for that Bengals game on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. In the meantime, you know how we finish out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. We will see you on Friday.